0: highland intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com
1: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time
0: and if you love the filet of fish
1: right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and
0: participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He's a dude, you know what I'm saying? Nicole and Jamal. What does a successful season look like? Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nicole Yopich, that's your starting front line. say that they have very expensive taste. You're listening to the Chicken Nuggets Podcast. For What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Chicken Nuggets Grilled. I'm your host, Jenna Garcia, and today we have a very special guest, Chris Dempsey, here with us from Altitude Sports. Chris, what's up?
1: Um, you know, uh, I'm in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, I <laughs> wish I was in Atlanta. I'm
0: actually in Oklahoma. In <laughs> and you've been <Oklahoma> literally- <laughs> <of> Atlanta. <laughs> and you've been to New York since Atlanta, so that's kind of funny that you, <laughs> that's yeah. how, much, how much you travel. That's crazy.
1: I know I forget all the time, but I'm I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, it's been a crazy like 48 hours for you, but I don't know that, you know, I've not gotten a chance to get to know Chris Dempsey deep down, you know, Chris, you you. Not only are you the first African-American broadcaster with altitude, but you are Montbello, homegrown here in Colorado, man. So like you've accomplished like a ton of stuff for just broadcasters from the Colorado area. I feel like there are a lot of actually people in the sports broadcasting industry from Colorado. If you think about it, like Kate Fagan, she went to see you. A bunch of people, right? Even on ESPN, there's Gary Streisky, I think is how you say his last name. And he's from the Colorado area. Yeah, I remember him but you yeah. like stayed here. So I'm just interested to know, like, what, when did you figure out that you were going to go into sports media and, yeah. and you know, how did you decide to stay here in Colorado? Um,
1: Well, yeah, shoot. Um, let's go back many, 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 many years. <laughs> um, I, so, so you're right. So I, I grew up here, born and raised. I was actually born in Boulder for, for that was So that's very interesting. And then, uh, we moved to Denver when I was really, uh, when I was like two, Um uh, went to Montbello high school, then the university of Colorado up back in Boulder. And so, uh, while I was there, I thought that I was going to do something more along the lines of, um, computer science, you know, this kind of stuff. I had, I had an uncle who was into that kind of stuff and then also architecture. So he was a, he was a guy who I really admired and wanted to to um, follow in some of his footsteps. But when I got to the University of Colorado um, and started taking math classes, <laughs> I knew right away I was not cut out for all that. <laughs> the math got real advanced real fast. And um, so I, you know, I, I just wasn't having fun. And um, I always, one of the things that had just been instilled in me about the job that you might eventually do is to try your best to make it something that you really do enjoy. And um, you know you won't feel like you're working a day in your life. We've all heard that saying. Yeah. And for me, the question was, what on earth was that gonna be? I, mean, I And I, I had no idea, but I knew a couple of things. One, big, big, huge, huge, huge into sports. Like it's just, um, and I always have been, um, my mom raised me and my brother, uh, my younger brother. And uh, she was huge, still is, uh, just enormous Broncos fan, but also she just liked sports in general. So we would watch basketball, we would watch stuff. And so, you know, that was kind of instilled in me at a very, very young age and really just got, became woven into the fabric of my being, just to be honest with you. And so I knew sports was something that maybe I wanted to follow, but I just didn't quite know where. And then um, I put it together with writing and writing is something that I've always loved to do. And even going back into high school and middle school, when, you know, you learn when you're writing creative um, uh, stories or whatever assignments that you're doing for, for the English classes. And um, my mom was a teacher. She was a teacher for 30 years. And so uh, there was a lot of her influence in terms of, I, I love to read and I love to write, and so I just put those two together—sports and writing—and thought, well, okay, well, maybe I want to be a sports writer. And so, with that as my guide, I went to the the campus press newspaper on the um, at the university, which was I which I didn't know at the time was an actual class, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and so you had to take the class to be able to write for the newspaper, but. Um, I got some strings pulled for me and they actually let me not take the class because uh, it's, it's a very long story. You couldn't get into the journalism school until at least you were a sophomore. I was a freshman and I was trying to do all the stings. So they allowed me just to write stories for them. Um, and it, it was like a once a week publication and I loved it. I loved it. And, um, I wanted to do more of it. And so from there, I wrote for the uh, publication called the uh, Colorado Daily, which seemed like it was the campus newspaper because it was everywhere on campus all the time. And it was published Monday through Friday. So just new episodes all the time. And they covered DU sports and they covered club sports and all that kind of stuff. So they let me not only write stories, they started me off with club sports because they already had people covering football, basketball, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but they would also, they also paid me $25 an article to do it. So, nice. uh, yeah. So I was at the time, you know, she, you know, you're just kind of a starving college student. I had no money. Um, so to be able to do both was a big deal. And, um, from there, um, a, a, a guy who is now a good friend of mine, um, his name is Neil Welk. He was the, one of the editors at the daily camera in Boulder, And, um, he saw my work at the Colorado daily. Um, and then he just approached me one day and said, would you want to do, when I was a senior, um, in, at CU, he approached me and said, would you want to come and write for the daily camera? And I was like, yes, of course I would, because I have no job coming out of college right now. And this is exactly what I want to do. And so, um, I'll I'll just cut this all short, but that's how I got into it. Um, I wrote for the camera for seven years and then to the Denver post for 14 years. And so for me, uh, Jenna, it was a situation where, um, because I, 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 you know, I could say I lucked out, but I mean, some people want to leave and they want to go out and they want to experience different stuff and go different places. And I wanted that to a degree as well, but I also kind of wanted to stay home. And, you know, and I, so for me, I lucked out by being able to, when I was at the daily camera, somebody's things were shifting at the Denver post one year, the CU writer was going to the nugget speed. He was a good friend of mine. And he said, Hey, I'm moving to the nugget speed. Would you want to take over the CU beat at the Denver post? And I was like, yeah, of course I would. <laughs> I was, I was a little kid. I was, I, I wanted to write for the, like the, the Denver post or the Rocky mountain news at the time there was there were two. So, um, yeah. And I got to the Denver post and, you know, thought I was going to be there forever, just to be honest, until altitude came and asked me if I wanted to to, to do TV, which is a total another conversation, which we will have probably here, <laughs> but, but that's how I got into the, the sports business. And I've been in it for, um, 25 years.
0: Yeah. Well, that's crazy too. Like knowing, finding going in with the thought, I'm going to do something science or math based, you know, I think it's just crazy when we ask kids at 17 at all to decide what they want to do with their lives. And now, yeah. you know, I was a teacher. So now like when my students talk about like, I mean, it's been several years since I taught. So now they're like in middle school or high school. And when they ask me like, what should I do? I'm always like, don't worry about it. Don't even worry. Cause even if you know what you want to do right now, it's not going to be what you want to do in 20 years or five years or 10 minutes and college should just be fun. So Mm -hmm. you've got something fun. And it was the exact opposite of what you're, (laughs) which is okay. Like, that's my point is like, you know, it's okay. And kids obviously put so much pressure on themselves to make that decision early. And you kind of started pretty fast though. Freshman year already knew, like, I wanted to, I want to write sports. Yeah, I did. and And it worked
1: out, you know, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I thought, okay, This is something I might want to do, but that doesn't mean that when you get in it, you want to do it. I mean, it's just like the the computer science thing. I thought I wanted to do that. But then once I started down that path and I didn't have to get far down that path before I knew I didn't want to, but, but, you know, sometimes you get far down the path and you realize this is just not for me. And I think the thing that that worked that has worked in my favor uh, from being able to understand what I wanted to do so early and then get on the path of doing it was, I mean, there's just a lot of dues to be paid in this business a lot. And, um, you know, there's I, 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 get, I field a lot of questions from um, students or people trying to get into the business about how to do that and how to, quite frankly, I think the inference is how to do it in the quickest way possible. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a difficult answer because it took me t- more than 20 years to get to where I am right now. That's right. a long time. I started when I was 18, or I'm sorry, when I was 21. So, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I can remember, you know, snowy days on a high school football field or covering club sports lacrosse or doing whatever I was doing that wasn't ultimately what I wanted to do. We all just want to get in and cover NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, you know, NHL. Yeah. And, um, you know, for, for me, it was y- you get on this path, you start at the bottom, you know, and you learn your craft, you learn what it is to cover a beat, you learn how to handle um, different types of personalities, coaches, athletic directors, um, uh, uh, presidents of universities sometimes, um, general managers, you, you understand what news judgment is, what, what, what to write, how to write it, when to write it. You understand what your audience wants to see. Um, you, All of these things are major uh, pieces of the pie that, um, you know, I, I was able to learn and make a ton of mistakes when nobody was watching, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and now get to where uh, I am now, but um, it, it was important for me that I started early because um, I, I am absolutely doing what I always wanted to do. And, and TV is, a, we'll get to this, is a different piece because I never thought I would do that. But, um, <laughs> but, but sports, just being in sports in general, um, has been a long journey. It's been a very fun journey. Um, and a, an assass- <laughs> just a quick, I know I'm talking a lot here.
0: No, you're, um, not.
1: you're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> a quick story, and and I, these things I appreciate, and I've had it happen maybe a couple of times over the last few years. So, um, about a year or two after I got to altitude, um, I got an email from a person. His name is Jim Davidson. Jim Davidson um, take me takes me all the way back to the early two thousands when I was covering high school sports for the Boulder daily camera. And he was the coach of the girls and boys soccer team at Broomfield high school. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I was out those fields, um, talking to those players, talking to him. And, you know, many years later after I had done, you know, obviously not covering that kind of stuff anymore. um, He saw me on TV and he said, Chris, do you remember do you remember me? I'm Jim from, from Broomfield. Um, and I just wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. I remember when you covered our teams and to see where you are now is um, uh, very, he said, is very, um, I'm very happy to, to see you and happy to to know where how you turned out. Yeah. And those, those things, um, they mean a whole lot because um, you know, you, You know, for him, it's a soccer world. So he came from a soccer space to get to the soccer space that where he's in. Mm -hmm. For me, I was in a media world and I started in a certain space to get to the space that I'm in right now. And to know that you had people along the way, you made an impression on somebody, a good one, a positive one, Mm -hmm. so much so that they will now years later see you and feel compelled to reach out to you and tell you so. Um, is very gratifying. And so um, I wouldn't trade any of the cold nights, the, you know, the, I don't know if I'm going to ever get out of this, out of the Boulder Daily camera, you know, all of those for anything, because it has made up the whole of, of what I am today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, what an impact you've had on just like the Colorado community, you've gotten the chance to really cover sports across all of Colorado. So, I mean, and you're talking about some of the hardships and just like tough in and day, day in, day out work that it takes to do that. Was there a certain lesson that you would feel like of all the things you learned along the way that is the best thing that you've taken away with you?
1: I would say that uh, it's a good question. I mean, because there's so many little things, but I, I would say the the one of the biggest things is just being fair. So in other words, you know, not every story that you write is going to be a positive story for uh, about the team that you write. Mm -hmm. Um, but it should be always fair. It should take, it shouldn't take unnecessary shots. It shouldn't take, you don't have to over editorialize. If a player is not playing well, it's the stats will probably say so. You don't have to add stuff on top of that necessarily to, um, make a make a, a more pointed point um, and when you're fair even if the people who even if the subject didn't like what you were writing at the time you know they don't feel as if they were um really slighted in any significant way because at the end of the day either they weren't playing well or something that they did that that was wrong or something that their organization has done not in the in the manner that it should have done and so you're writing about it and um that's always been a big deal to me and the especially as i look over the landscape now and we're you know so, so many people are trying to make a name for themselves or trying to stand out from the crowd it leads to i think spaces saying things whether it be in a story or in a tweet or something that may, maybe that was, maybe that wasn't where you should have gone with, with that particular um, remark or that particular piece of the story or something like that. And what you start to do is you start to undermine your own ability to be able to uh, create the relationship that you need to create, to be able to get the stories um, and the information that you might need to get at, the, at, at a later time. Mm-hmm. And that'll cut you off every single time. Like that'll, you know, you'll, you know, if, if what you're trying to do is um, gather news or information or just interesting things to be able to, to convey to their fans and to your audience, it's hard to do that if nobody's talking to you, <laughs> you know. And if you don't and if you haven't been fair over the years with how you've handled information and how you've handled people and situations, um, then it's going to be very difficult for you to get the stuff that ultimately helps you stand out from from, from the crowd. So I would say being fair, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's your there's your um journalism background and your your yeah. <laughs> background shining through. How hard is that to To manage that fairness now, as you work for the team's (laughs) broadcast partner,
1: Uh, you know what? Um, It's different um, because, well, you know, for me, uh, for me, it's not. I don't, I don't operate in a an appreciably different way because, see, I was never on that side. I never was the super critical dude, anyway, Mm -hmm. and because I was never super critical guy. I didn't have to like all of a sudden transform into company guy, you know, mm-hmm. now that you basically work for the team that you cover, you work for the owner who, co- you know, who owns the team that you cover. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so for me, I haven't actually had to change how I operate in, in, a, in an appreciable way. Mm-hmm. I was never taking enormous shots at anybody anyway, or being super critical anyway, you can convey that a player or a team is not playing well, without, you know, going all the way down into that rabbit hole. Sure. Um, Yeah. yeah. So um, it is, it's been interesting working on this side of things because you can see more of the inner workings of, you know, just how a team operates and why. And, um, you know, the role, even like the role marketing play. I remember the first time I learned that, Like marketing chooses the uniforms, every uniform, every day, the whole season. Like the, I, I, I thought at one point, like don't the players keep saying this? (laughs) No, they do not. It is already pre-chosen and that is the way it is. Except until you get to the playoffs and and, and there's players player put in the playoffs, but, um, even a stuff all the way on down to that. So it's just been actually a real education on how, um, you know, things work, you know, on a basketball in an organization beyond just the basketball court.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, and I think, you know, Dems, overall, I think the Coloradans who watch your program and who have read your work would probably say, like, you're a pretty fair guy. Like, of the altitude team, I think, you know, you you like to really tell us both sides of every story, and i <sighs> I appreciate that about the work that you, you do with the team. I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. You know what? I, I think you owe the fans that, you know um, and I spent, you know, so many years, obviously having to be super objective at the Denver post and that's fine. That's just, you know, I mean, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Cause you know, you start bringing, listen, we, we all come from where we come from, and backgrounds and all of our experiences make up who we are. And so sometimes that seeps into, um, how you're writing and or how you're thinking about what your your what your work, you know, what your work is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think what the newspaper years of my life taught me is how to separate that stuff and just understand that there are more you might have a, a side to the story that you think might even be right, but to, uh, but to understand that there's more than just your side or more than just you know and and to make sure that, every voice is heard and every, you know, and, and expressed. And then you let the reader decide what, you know, how they want to think about, you know, what they've just read. And so um, that, that was a big deal. And I still bring that. I try to bring that as much as possible to my current space, because I I just believe you, you owe the fans the clearest view of The team and of your analysis as possible. That's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't need to come in with, "Hey, I like this dude," or "I don't like this dude," and now that's, you know, coloring my analysis somehow. So Mm -hmm. every time I talk about player X because I don't like his game, I'm just pointing out all of the bad stuff. Right. There's a bunch of good stuff he's doing on the court. You know, you can't fix your mouth to say that. Like that's, that would that's unbelievable to me, and I have seen that Mm -hmm. happen. And, um, I, I pledge to never operate like that, no matter if I like the player or don't like the player or like, like his game or not, or whatever, you know, it, if, if, if he comes out and scores 30 points with 15 rebounds, you damn sure I'm going to, I'm going to break that down accordingly. What a great game. Here's, here's what he did. Well, I'm not going to point out, oh, but he has five turnovers. So let's just focus in on those. That's just not how I'm ever going to operate. But at the same time, if a team is not playing well, um, you need to be able to convey exactly why that's Mm -hmm. happening and do it in context that I think sometimes we certainly at altitude, you you see it kind of a lot. Well, the Nuggets have a, let's just say they have a stretch where they, they just went through a stretch where they lost six straight games. Yeah. And um, you know, if if in game five, I'm saying something to the effect of "it's a it's a it's a five game losing streak," um, but I see signs of life in the office, or I see signs of you. You get the snarky remarks in terms of he's supposed to say that because it's altitude. He works for the team, so he's mm-hmm. got to say something. And no, I don't. I, I don't, I've never been directed to say anything. I've not right. one day in, four, in almost five years now been directed to say anything other than what's on my mind. Right. Um, and, but I think context matters. And if you even go through a six game losing streak in the early of in early December, there are still three months or four left in the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's never the end of the world you know, and you know, until, until it is now if we're in March and it's like six game losing streak to put you 10 games under 500. All right. You know, right. That's, <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so that, that's kind of how I approach things and how I, how I view it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. Cause I was going to ask you, you know, what's the biggest misconception Nuggets fans have about this team this season? Um, We've seen a really good season from Jokic, even better numbers, if you can believe that, since his MVP season. And there's clearly a lot of injuries that are affecting the team. But what do you th- what's the biggest misconception fans have about this team or this organization?
1: Well, I, I think for, I, I, for this year's team, I think it's hard, and it's very difficult because Jokic continues to always play. But um, – it's hard to not analyze this team as if they're fully healthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I think. I, I think sometimes we kind of forget that there's still a bunch of very important players. Like I just had a conversation with Jamal Murray yesterday and like, that's Jamal Murray, you know, it's like, <laughs> he's, he's just scoring 50 points a game. I guess the Utah Jazz, you know, in the in the, in the bubble playoffs. And so, there are significant players not playing for this team. And it's easy to kind of slip into, well, they shouldn't lose to this team or that team or the other team. Well, maybe they, maybe they're not appreciably better than any of these teams because their talent has been so depleted due to injuries. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, Jokic's constant presence kind of glosses over that fact sometimes because he's so good and he puts up such great numbers and gives the Nuggets a chance to win every single night that you, you you forget, you, you start slipping back into, well, the Nuggets are better than all these teams. Mm. Well, this season, all these teams are looking at the Nuggets the exact same way. They're looking at, well, okay, we can get this team tonight. You know, the, 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 these aren't the Nuggets of even the beginning of last season when Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and P.J. Dozier, they, are, they were all on the court. And so um, I, I think it's been very... Uh, it's hard to walk that line of okay, you this team needs to be, definitely play better in some areas for sure, but you uh, there's there's not a game that they can walk in. Uh, from my view, this is my opinion. They, there's not a game that you can the Nuggets can walk into right now where you can just immediately say this is a foregone conclusion. They ought to win this game tonight. That doesn't exist right now, and it might not exist the balance of this season. And it may come back next season, but it's only going to come back when they get, when they have a full deck. Yeah. And at that point, okay, now that's a different thing. But right now they're a very good basketball team. Um, but if they don't bring it, they're going to get beat. That's it. You know, I mean, you know, it's just it, the map, the, the opponent doesn't matter anymore. And, it, and, and also in this league, I think even the, you know, Boy, even the bad teams can get you. Yeah. Houston lost 17 straight games, I believe, to to start this season, or 18, yeah. and then they won seven straight. Right. It's like, okay, if that's the worst, and they're <laughs> able to reel off seven straight wins, then where's the gimme victory in this league anymore? You know, and you know, all these teams have a player or two that if they go off that night, you will lose. And um, you know, look, the, the Nuggets just found that out just recently when Anthony Edwards hit 10 three pointers.
0: That's exactly what?
1: what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, well, he shoots like low 30% in three-point for the season. He caught total fire and led his team to a victory. And that can happen in any night because all these teams have at least one dude who can do that. And so it just makes it a little bit more difficult. And so I just think the analysis has to come with a little bit more context and a little bit more um, and a little bit more care. And it doesn't mean that you can't say that this team should be better. The Nuggets should be better in areas A, B, C, and D, for sure. That that continues to be things that can be said. Yeah, it just, it, I, I think, the expectation level given the the injuries that they have gone through has to be tempered a little bit um, until things start to get healthier.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the injuries have really depleted the Nuggets this season. I just was telling somebody the other day. I get so much smack talk in my DMs, You have no idea. <laughs> I if it's not because I'm a girl, it's because I don't know stuff about basketball or the Nuggets suck, and that's the easiest one that comes at yeah. me. I'm like, I think you mean. Let me respond real quick. I think you mean the Nuggets are unhealthy. You know, right? Like, right. They don't suck. Actually, they're actually quite a, quite a good team and a team that would scare anybody when fully healthy. And it's just been like a bummer that every injury this year that's come along for them, another blow to this, to the team. And, Oh man, I'm longing for those six games we had where like Jamal and AG played together and it was awesome. I I really need some,
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know, think about this. I mean, you know, I I, I allow myself because you know, we've all, everybody's been posting Jamal Murray videos, right? So about how he's looking when he's working out and, um, (laughs) And he is looking really good in these videos. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And and the and, you know the ones that that kind of um, pique my interest are the ones where he's uh, shifting weight left to right. You got to get you got it. You have to go left to right. It's straight straight lines and up and down don't matter on a, on an ACL. But when you're when you're cutting, you're moving, you're, you're those quick quick burst movements side to side. You're doing that kind of stuff. You get, you now. That's when my my eyes, and my ears start to uh, perk up. we're starting to see a little bit more of that from, from him. Um, but, and we're seven months in, we're almost, almost eight. I think it's seven from April. So at the beginning of the season, I thought there's just no way that he's going to play. Just no way. I mean, the, this regular season will literally end less than a calendar year from, from when he actually got injured, um, by, by two days. And, um, what we know about ACL injuries is that it's a nine to 12 month deal. That's what, that's what it is. And so, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, maybe it just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think he would play. I'm starting to rethink that a little bit. Okay. I'm starting to rethink that. Um, just from the standpoint of how, you know, he, he looks really good. Um, he's starting to get into that side-to-side quick burst stuff and then straight to the rim for dunks. I, 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 he might have a chance. You know, he might have a chance. Yeah. And how scary, and I say all that to say this, how scary would the Nuggets be if they were basically the Lakers of last year, like in a play-in situation, but all of a sudden Jamal Murray pops up on the scene and now it's like, do you want to play those dudes with Joker and Jamal now? Because you probably don't. <laughs> man you know and so um i've allowed my mind to wander in that direction a little bit more uh, lately um and we'll just see you know i mean there, i mean he still's got a long road i mean there's not only not only I, I still i don't think he's even played any i don't even think he's played one on one so i mean you got to play one on one 2 on 2 3 on 3 to get to 5 on 5 you got to get conditioned you got to do all the stuff and so I mean, it's still a very long road for 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 jamal but I have to admit my mind has been changed to whatever degree from the beginning of the season to right now. And um, I have let my thoughts start to wander into like, well, shoot, well, well, you know, just stay afloat. Yeah. Get some guys back and let's see, you know?
0: Right. That's what, what's tough about this season is not really knowing how many bodies can they put together to stay afloat at this point. And it's really getting rocky now. We're having several games canceled with COVID. And mm-hmm. who knew we'd be in the same situation, except for I do remember all of us saying, like, oh, if we don't take this vaccine seriously or take this virus seriously, we're going to be doing this for several years. And look at yep. it. Yep. We're still doing this interview via Zoom when we could be hanging out in person. <laughs>
1: I know it's, 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 the truth. And you know, you're right about, you know, the NBA, the NBA was, I thought, well, you know, they're, they were, they were a little bit naive and they're not going to be happy about me saying that, but they were a little bit naive about what was going to happen this season. And the other reason I said, the reason I say that is, is this, there, there always should have been the ability to expand your roster. Um, just in case something like this is happening and we're actually, we're at, you know, obviously the Nuggets, it took us to a total surprise. I mean, I I was telling you the story prior to this, like we were literally in shoot around. I mean, this wasn't something, this wasn't news that we thought might be coming down the pike. Right. You know, you knew about um, it for a couple hours beforehand. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, had we known, I mean, this team probably would have flown home from Atlanta. So, you know, we had no idea. So we get to Brooklyn. They had go through a shoot around and upon getting back to the hotel from the shoot around, news starts to filter in that this might be a game that might not be played. And, you know, okay. I mean, that takes everybody by surprise and it's on Brooklyn's side, obviously. They, they just didn't have enough players, all the COVID cases, plus the injuries. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but for the NBA, postponing games is absolutely not what they wanted to do. So if you didn't want to postpone games, you should have allowed the opportunity for these teams to expand their rosters from the beginning of the season. So now you've already postponed like four or five games and you have to make those up in a schedule where you didn't split this up between the first half of the season and the second half of the season. So like you did last year. So now you could jam some games into the second half schedule, which you haven't already made yet. Right. And so like the nuggets, when, when are they going to come to new york they've been in new york twice okay. again a third time yeah. we're talking three yeah. times yeah so i i don't know when they're gonna jam this game in and i know that there's a trip i think it's in march where they come it's like philadelphia and washington and some and something like that and so you're taking a team that was going east anyway and just jam a game into brooklyn but i don't know what brooklyn's schedule is at that point in time either and it it's like disney on ice at the Barclays center or something like that so who knows you know like that, that's, that is why they couldn't very well take this chance and they did and they, lo- and they're losing games and now they're going to have to, you know, w- the Nuggets are going to get a lot of days off between the last time they played and then the next time they play, but that is, they're, it's going to cost them at some point, they're going to have to go to Brooklyn and they're probably just going to make it, it's good. They're going to make it inconvenient for them to do so. And maybe that's in a very critical part of the schedule. Maybe they're jockeying for, maybe they're, jockeying to get in the top four, or maybe they're jockeying to get into the play-in. Right. And if you have to all of a sudden go from like, oh, they're playing the Clippers tonight, they're gonna go, they're gonna go to Brooklyn on Wednesday and you're gonna go fly across country to play this one game that you should have had to play, that you should have played in the first place. Right. I can see where these games will cause some issues for these teams that have missed them or the teams that were supposed to play them. The Nuggets did nothing wrong, but they're right. gonna be affected, you know? Right. And so, um, it's just you know the NBA has now gotten to that. Obviously, with the hardship waiver players, and you can this will be the greatest G League call up season in the history of the league <laughs> because those players are all going to get chances. And so, if you you know this for the G League players, you know is going to be the single greatest chance for them to get in because these teams and the way the variants are going, and it's just obviously we watched the NFL had a hundred players. Test positive in a span of a week, um, you know. But for the NBA and these G League players, it's going to be huge because they're going to get chances they never would have gotten, or maybe never would have gotten, or certainly not this fast to play for the big clubs. And what the impression that you make, you might win a game for a team that helps them in a playoff race, or helps them in a seeding race, or something like that. And um, that'll be enormous for your career. So it's just a lot of things happening with the league right now. But, um, the postponement of these games is they, they cannot, they cannot postpone any more of these games. These arenas are full. The schedules are already full and these team schedules are already full.
0: Right. It's interesting to me because I feel like in baseball, you have rain delays or rain cancellations all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. They build that into their schedule. I just think what, yep. Like, let's take pieces from the NFL. What did they get right? Let's take pieces from MLB. What did they get right? Let's put it all together, you know, and figure this out because it seems like it's going to take many minds to work around COVID because it's determined to, to get us or keep us from yeah. having
1: life the way we had it at one point. <laughs> right. It is. I mean, and you know, look, you know, the way every year or every few months, it's like another variant. So, um, you know, I don't see why that's going to stop, you know, and, and so, you know, for th- these leagues, I, I know they want to operate in a certain way, but you can't operate that way anymore. And we don't live in that universe anymore. Right. And, you know, you, you, you fear the NBA, you want to, you don't want, you only want to have so many players available on the roster that those, that, that, that ship has sailed. Right. And so you have to allow these teams, the ability to field real basketball teams over the course of the season. And if now, if their players are constantly in health and safety protocols, then that's something that they can take up with their players. Because now if you're missing your star player a dozen times in a season and you're losing those games because he's not playing, then that's something that you can take up with the star player. But the NBA is going to go, Hey, listen, you can still feel the team. You're going to roll your, get some guys in the jerseys and, 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 and make them play. So now the onus falls back on the team to make sure that their players are not constantly in health and safety protocols if they can help it. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, what a time to be covering the
0: league. (laughs) Right. I'm not sure Dems, if you even know about this or not, but you know, you did cover CU sports. And so I'm just curious, like, I haven't heard as much uh, positives in college athletics or any games canceling as far as college sports go. Um, have you, seen a difference or do you know what they're doing differently than than the NBA?
1: I I don't know. So here and there, so I know Colorado state has had a game already or game or two already canceled uh, because they couldn't play it. Colorado has not as far as I can remember. I don't, I don't think they have to this point. And, And we're, we're recording this right in advance of them playing Kansas on, on, on Tuesday. Um, so, um, I know the University of Tennessee basketball team had to cancel the game. I think they're happening sporadically over, over, over you know, um, with, with these colleges. And there's just so many institutions and so many teams and so many sports. It's like, you know, you can't keep track of them all, or you might not even hear them if, 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 if like, say, Northern Illinois um, tennis isn't playing, you know, we're not going to ever hear about that in the way right. that we'll, you know, we hear. so. I would guess that, you know, it does seem like, though, that they are getting through their seasons a little bit better. Um, they certainly haven't had this huge outbreak where it's like, you know, seven NBA teams have like a flat-out outbreak throughout the entire team is causing them escape. There hasn't been stories about that in college. and They got through an entire football season. So they got through the football season. Um, they're into the basketball season. And, yeah, they're, we're losing some games here and there but we haven't heard like the big 12 is there's an outbreak in the big 12 12. And so until we start seeing anything like that, then, then they're, they're surviving. And I don't know why, to be honest with you. Um, that's a good question. You know, they're, you know, these colleges are little contained cities, you know, they're these campuses, you know, right. Um, So maybe they're, you know, maybe they're keeping the athletes isolated to whatever degree or I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really good question, but um, we'll see if the basketball seasons can make it through relatively unscathed.
0: Yeah. Tougher with basketball just because it's indoors, right? Like could potentially have mm-hmm. a, a more likelihood of an outbreak. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to know just like throughout your whole career, you talked about how you've made all these really awesome relationships along the way and that part of your coverage being just and fair and showing both sides of everything has allowed that to happen. What relationship would you say that you built has been like the coolest relationship that you've found along this sports journalism journey that could be player coach? I I don't know. That's a good question. Um, For me, I think as I've gone
1: through the years, for me, the most satisfying relationships that I didn't necessarily know we're even forming at the time. We're at with the actual players and not necessarily pro athletes because they're already in a particular space. The college athletes, you know, I I can't tell you how many times I've had players that I've covered um, hit me up on LinkedIn or, you know, or they'll see me on Twitter and they'll go, Hey, do you remember me? Um, I always liked, always appreciated you being around or whatever. And they never said that to you at the time, but many years later um, when they're doing whatever there is that they're doing, you know, they take the time to write a note to you or drop you a message or um, tell you Um, what your presence there even meant to them. And Jenna, I will say this, there were a lot, I've had a lot of over the years, um, particularly the African-American players say to me, well, it was, I was just very happy to see one of us be the, you know, in the media core. Yeah. And, um, you know, all that stuff means a lot to me. And I had no idea what kind of impact I was making on the players at the time. I was just asking questions, (laughs) you know, doing them and you would have those side chit chats with them just to kind of find out who they are and, and where they come from. And, um, but the, but those players, um, coming back years later and they have families and they have, and to, to say how much they appreciated the coverage or, appreciated my presence or whatever it, you know, it, those have meant the most to me. And I didn't even know that those, those were things that were occurring, you know, uh, until years later. So I, I think that would be the answer to the question is just, um, being able to have some sort of a pot of positive impact um, in these athletes lives, um, for whatever reason that meant the most to them. Yeah. You know? um, I think that to me has been far and away the most satisfying thing um, about what I've been able to do over the the many years I've been in the business.
0: Yeah. And that's just cool too, like the the fact that you've gotten to work with athletes across the timeline, right? Not just professional athletes, but also college athletes and high school athletes of all the Nuggets players, who do you feel like, man, I loved covering them. I had a fun time. You got any good stories for us? From the Nuggets
1: days. I would say there's so many of them. I liked, um, Alan Iverson was hilarious. Yeah. He was hilarious. Um, he would, when he talked to the media, he would just talk to the media for so long. It would just like his answers were all super long. And then he would turn questions back on you. And like, it was, you think you'd just be like, oh, we're going to grab him for like 10 minutes. You know, you know, these interviews, like 10 minutes or whatever and his would go 40. <laughs> you know? And so, and he would just say, you never knew what he was going to say next. And so um, Alan Iverson was just a total joy. And then I was still at the time, <laughs> at the time when, and when AI was here, I was still kind of like in my, I would get out to, I would hit up, I would hit up some clubs and whatnot too. So I would, so, I would randomly run into some of those dudes on the road on some venues. And so there was one, there was one time I ran into Allen Iverson. It was like Alan Iverson and Kenyon Martin and somebody, I don't know. They were all in like the VIP section. And um, so hey, I, so I, I generally tried and I've always done this, no matter how young I ever was. Um, I always, if I ever saw them, I like They see me enough. Like they didn't, they didn't need to, like, I, I didn't run over to them like, Hey, what's going on? Like, no, like, you, they see right. you a daily basis and you know but I always tried to keep my space but um but, but AI came over and uh he was just giving me all kinds of grief like oh what, you, what are you doing oh what are you drinking oh, what are you doing are you, are you trying, <laughs> to talk, trying to talk to any girls in here what are you doing you doing you know <laughs> and so he was so funny so I enjoyed him I enjoyed Chris Anderson a ton um Mello is a guy that he, to this day um I had such respect for him and, um, we, um, I I, thought we, we, we connected, um, on a level that was beyond basketball and I enjoyed covering him because he was one of the first NBA players that I started to really get to know, but also, um, you know we just had kind of this mutual respect i thought for each other and so um you know i i, I enjoyed carmelo for just a whole different set of reasons mm-hmm. and beyond the fact that he was just awesome on the court um yeah. and um so th- there were so many um, i liked aaron aflalo a whole lot uh we, we talked often about stuff um kenyan um <laughs> i all right, this is a story about Kenya Martin. So the first ever year I covered like a full season of Nuggets basketball. Um, uh, it's like back in 2003. Um, okay. I, uh, I, at the end of the season, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. It's like another road trip, another road trip, another road trip. So now we're in Salt Lake city toward the end of the season. And at the end of shoot around, um, you know the players come over to the chairs, and you kind of you know shoot the shoot the breeze with some of them, and then get to whatever interviews that you're going to get to. So um, I was so tired. I said to Kenyon, I said, "Man, how do you survive a season of this? Like and then many seasons of this? Because I'm gonna just like like the energy the tank is on e. Yeah. <laughs> and and he sat he sat with me, and he we talked about just you know how to you know survive a season and i'm not actually even playing i'm just sitting in a seat watching the games you know but but he was just very insightful and just um and totally like helpful in terms of saying all right looks, look like but when you get on the road bro you can't do all the things all the time you know you have to you know and so just the pointers and just the the time that he took to talk to me about this one subject which I, you know at the time was very concerning to me because um if i can't survive one season how am i going to survive multiples you know um so just there's there's so many i mean i
0: i love marcus Camby
1: to this day you know um
0: man i'm jealous i'm so jealous yeah. that's like the heyday for me when i first started to like I mean, I had played basketball before that, but I hadn't really paid attention to professional basketball. I don't know about you Mm -hmm. kid, like watching my own games. I I was a pro. I was like watching myself. (laughs) I'm so proud of myself. And I didn't really have like this bigger worldview, I guess, of like, oh, pros actually exist. Or I could watch other people to learn how to do this too. And then I started Mm -hmm. watching the Nuggets around the early 2000s. And I loved Andre Miller. I loved yeah. him. He won the Lexus drive of the game like every time I'd watch. <laughs> so I would always be like, I got to do that in practice tomorrow, you know? And yeah. so, I mean, you really, uh, you have me a little jealous that you have gotten the chance to spend time with some of these guys. And um, ironically, I remember the first Nuggets game I went to, Wesley Persons? Oh, yeah. Like not a guy that played a lot, not a guy that's even very well known in the league. Like, and I was like, he hit a bunch of shots that game that I went to. And I was like, mm-hmm. he's my favorite player. <laughs> I, I love his follow through. I, I had all these reasons why I thought he was such a good shooter. And then I'd like talk to people when I got you know into college and later on in life, I'd be telling them about Wesley Persons and everyone's like, I have never heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah and he was a good dude he was a good shooter he was yeah. <laughs> that's, that's
1: funny. yeah it's it's really interesting you know how that how that goes you know when you know when I was a kid it was a lot you know it was when I was a kid uh you know you're talking well when I was gosh when I was in elementary school I guess elementary to middle school you're talking about that's when it was Alex English and um, Fat Lever and Calvin and Daniel Sull and all them. And then when I got into college, it was Dikemin Matumbo and Brian um, Williams, Robert Pack, Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, um, you know, that crew, um, Lafonso Ellis, which is, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I never, obviously, I wasn't covering I wasn't covering the NBA back then. But to be able to meet LaFonzo Ellis many years later, and he's just the best—like maybe the best human that's ever lived. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so nice. He's so nice. Um, was a pleasure because I remember exactly where I was when they beat the Seattle SuperSonics in that series, nice. and we were we were in the dorms in college, and it was—I'm just—I'm just super dating myself here, but it's all good. Um, but let's uh, see so there was like TV rooms, which I don't even know if those exist in college dorms. anymore. But they, <laughs> <laughs> and so well, there was a bunch of us watching the Nuggets series um, against the Sonics um, in those TV rooms. And so that game, it was packed in this one particular TV room and they won and it was bonkers in there. It, everybody was screaming and cheering and high five and, running out of the room because it was college and running back in the room. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's funny how, what, what impression those things make on you, especially as a young athlete, you see those things and you um, want to emulate those moves. The, those players become your, your, certainly your athletic idols. And, um, you know, you never forget that, you know, and, um, so yeah, I, I totally know where you're coming from with that story. I, I really, you know, it's, um, you know, and then to to be able to sim- to meet some of these and be in that environment on a daily basis is really cool.
0: Yeah, was Ellis your like guy? Because I know the day I interviewed Carmelo, a couple seasons ago, and I asked him, you know, hey man, what do you think about your jersey being retired here? I f- I was freaking out. He's like my idol, right, from my childhood. And I'm like now in front of him, like a few feet away. And ask yeah. him like a a question, and he's actually going to talk to me and respond and give me an answer. And it was like one of those moments. I definitely like him and maybe Ke- Kevin Durant, where I was like, I am nervous to meet this person, even though yeah. I'm not really meeting them. I'm just talking to yeah. them.
1: Yeah, no, I. You know what? It's it's yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, and and for me, because I had covered so many sports over the years, like I had those I had those exact moments many years ago and it was it was more for me i think that first happened when i was covering i covered the broncos for a year and um john elway and terrell davis and shannon sharp and all of them right so yeah at shooting questions and i was like super green like i was like j- just barely got into business you know yes. and and now they've asked me at the daily camera to write stories some stories about these guys and it's you're shooting questions at them and you're just like oh my god like i watch you on tv is what i do (laughs) (laughs) no and so you have those moments and then um and then over time you just it's so weird that you get used to talking to these individuals and it's only weird because Anybody else who gets a chance to even be in the mirror space with some of these athletes, you understand how, what a big deal that is. Mm-hmm. And um you just kind of get used to that over time. And I, I don't I don't I, I, I guess it's just a thing. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, it's just a thing. Um, but I, I absolutely can relate to that. And and um, you know, sometimes it takes a while for that to, to go through and then this just all the way down to this, am I asking a like a good question? You know, like that's, I, I can't even tell you how many times I still go through that. But is it, is, this, is it, is this a question I should be asking or how should I form this question so that it's it, the smartest it could possibly sound? I don't know. But yeah, so that thing is, it's, it's a big deal, certainly early because I was just flat out scared. I remember asking a question to Popovich. I was, terrified. And then he showed me why I should have been terrified by going ahead and like, (laughs) like just totally, uh, it was just, it was a ridiculous situation. He
0: uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. I did. And, um, so yeah. So remember what you asked? Um, yeah, I do. So it was, uh, the nuggets were playing at the, the, the Spurs in the playoffs. And, um, I thought That I would just ask the most, the easiest, most softball question ever, which is how important is it to win game one of a series? Like, what does that set the tone? You know, how's that set the tone for the series? Good question. Yeah. And he looks around and he goes, he says, Is this guy serious? (laughs) And and I was like, and now on the inside, I'm like, come on, man. Really, you're going to do this in front of everybody. And, um, And then David Aldridge for who used to do TNT stuff. And now I I don't know where he is. Um, He says, well, I I got a real question. And I was like, oh, Oh. and so, yeah, yes. And so that has been my only interaction with David Aldridge. So you can imagine I'm not the biggest David Aldridge fan in the whole wide world. Um, And so, yeah, but just the mere asking you know, it, the thinking, is this a good question? Is this, the, is this a, can I, is this the right thing to ask all the way down to that? It's, 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 um, <laughs> it's a funny business. It is. Uh, it's yeah, a funny
0: it definitely business. is. And if you would tr- struggle with like anxiety, it's an incredible test for your anxiety to sit in front of Popovich, <laughs> Greg Popovich and ask him a question. Yeah. Uh, I honestly think it means that you're officially like christened into the see world. You cannot be a media member if you haven't been popped. I'm not technically a media member yet in my own record book because I have I've been way too scared to actually ask him a question because he's scary. He popped somebody just in the playoffs like two years ago, one of the girls from CBS or something, um, one of our local news stations. She wasn't always there for every game. But of course, in the playoffs, you know, they're there almost every playoff game. And she went right at him. She didn't even care. It was I was yeah. like impressed by her like resiliency to just, I'm gonna keep asking him. And she he like questioned her question and she came back at him with a response. And I was like, you go, girl, yeah. that's awesome. Yes. Like yeah. have to. yes, yeah. that's, I'd be that's, trembling that's by good. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be shaking in my boots <laughs> by now. So um i say that that means you're real you know you're a real media guy not that you didn't have enough other things on your <laughs> credentials to prove that you're a real media guy but dems i just appreciate you you know coming on the pod hanging out talking with us um and letting us get to know you a little bit more i cannot say i looked you up man i googled you before this interview i'll just tell you and when you google chris dempsey you are not the first guy to come up
1: is it the trombone player?
0: I don't know, but it's a white guy, so yeah. no, it wasn't you.
1: The last time, one of the first times I ever Googled myself, it, it was a guy named Chris Dempsey, and he was an award-winning trombone player.
0: Wow. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's great. <laughs> At <laughs> least he was also an award-winning something, you know, so you confused I- with somebody else doing big things in the world. But... <laughs> But yeah, it was kind of funny. And I was like, nope, not that Chris Dempsey. Chris Dempsey, Colorado. And there's just not that many interviews that have been done. You don't appear on that many podcasts. So I appreciate you being on with, with the Chicken Nuggets and letting us get to know you a little bit more and all the work you do covering the Nuggets. One final question I had for you. Yes. Big news came out this weekend. The Nuggets trying to make a deal with Comcast. What's, what is what? What is the meat of that Dealer, what are we talking about? Because I didn't read the article. Obviously,
1: it's a hard question. Uh, you know what? Uh, it, I think actually, just what's happening is, an Altitude released a statement um, late last week. I think it was late last week. And what's happening is, you know, that there's obviously there's been an ongoing court case, and um, so what the judge and the two sides have decided. Because there, there actually have not been negotiations for a long period of time, hmm. was to get back to negotiating, and they're going to do that with an arbitrator as well. So um, we'll see where that gets everybody. Um, but certainly is good news just from the simple fact that there just wasn't a lot of conversation between the two sides. And wow. um, so now there is, uh, or there will be, and um, hopefully that results in in a deal um that would be nice um because the situation is definitely not ideal um and it is spreading uh, you know if you are a yankees fan in new york i was just in new york you're not watching that on the yes network if you have comcast mm-hmm. and so if you're a portland trailblazers fan they have lived under that for many years now mm-hmm. and when the actually the irony is if you do have con was it i think if you do have comcast it's on comcast there but the majority of people don't have comcast in portland so it's not on the the other carrier so um rsns are having a whale of a time right now it's uh it's a it's a very difficult period of time to have to to be a local um you know, a local affiliate trying to broadcast games where they be whether they be basketball, hockey, or baseball games. And so um I don't know. I don't know where this is all headed. Um I mean, you know, that I think nationally, because of national television contracts, it's not as easy. You you I, I get this a lot. Well do not you just put yourself on Hulu? Why don't you just do that or whatever? You know, like you can't just do you can't just do that. You like they're are the, these entities these um, these leagues sign big time television deals for a reason, right. You know, and that's not to just to allow every single um, team to just give their product away as they see fit. So it has to fit in within the framework of the larger television package that these leagues have signed. Um, and so, you know, there, it's a very complex issue. Um, and but as far as it relates to just us and, and, and Comcast. You know, it's, um, we'll see, you know, I mean, it's, you know, Comcast has decided not to, not to carry us. And so we have to convince them somehow to carry us. <laughs> you know.
0: Well, well, I was excited to hear the news that they're, that they're back into negotiations and talking again. I'm excited. You know, that means I get to watch them on TV soon. Hopefully, you know, I know as Nuggets fans out there, everyone wants to watch the games. So I'm <laughs> glad that I was glad to hear that news and excited about it. So we'll have to see where that takes us, but Dems, you'll have to come back on the pot yeah. you know in some other time and we'll um, we'll just do like a wine review or something random to, to
1: hey you know me you know me <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: yes that's how I'll get you to come back on the pot you yeah. uh, know yeah. wine tasters, and we'll te- test out some good wine <laughs> yes
1: well, I appreciate well, you having me on it's been, a, it's been a really it's a lot of fun and, Um, you know I've watched you grow in, in this industry as well and I'm super proud of you uh, how far you've come, and how far you have yet to go, and um, so. But thank you, thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, Deb, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs>